No. No. Never. I am the king. This is my kingdom. My birthright. I was born to be a king. I am the sole and rightful heir. And I will die before I see another sit upon this throne. No one shall replace me. Who better to sit upon this seat of power? Who knows better what's best for my kingdom? Who dare challenge my reign? Who? Jesus. <laughs> Let me tell you something about this God. He sits upon his throne on high, offering love in exchange for servitude. He asks the impossible, blind obedience, and all that a heart, soul, strength, and mind can offer. I tell you this here and now, my knee stiffens. I will never bow to him. I'm the king. This, my kingdom. Do you hear me? I am the king. Long live the king. Many of us have heard the phrase, long live the king. We've read it in a book, seen it in a movie. Long live the king. That French proclamation is often left unfinished because the actual full phrase in the French is, the king is dead, long live the king. These words often spoken by the newest king in command. As the body of the previous king was lowered into the ground, the new king would say, the king is dead, long live the king. This would help his constituents, his following, his kingdom with sudden transition of sovereignty. That king is dead, now follow me. You followed and you served him, now you are going to follow and serve me. I pray this entire week and I pray this morning and I pray in this moment and I hope with all of my hope that I can get every single person around all of our campuses this week and including myself to bring ourselves to the brink. To ask ourselves the truest question, the most fundamental question about Christianity and it is who is sitting on the throne of your life. Who has absolute power and sovereignty and I believe it should be Jesus Christ. It should be Jesus Christ in our lives. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
God, we love you so very much. We are so thankful for your unbelievable kingship. You're a loving father. There are thousands of people around all of our campuses this weekend representing thousands more sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, teachers and nurses and businessmen, co-workers, neighbors and students, people outside the walls of this church that are, that are lost, that are broken, that are frustrated, that are angry, they're sad, misunderstood. Fill us this weekend, Father, with a, with a burden that lay upon our shoulders for the people that don't know who you are. The people that walk blindly through life searching to be fulfilled, searching to matter, to be loved. Fill us with a new spirit this week and give us new eyes and new body and heart and soul to follow after you. You are an unbelievable Father and God. Your creativity knows no bounds, your love, your grace and mercy. There is no depth to your love, there's no width, it is endless. And we live in that and we thank you so much for that, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, welcome to Faith Promise this weekend. How are we doing? Yeah. Wherever you find yourself, if you are at Campbell, if you're at Anderson, if you're at North, if you are at Pellissippi, if you are watching online or you find yourself at God Behind Bars, we are honored that you're here. And everything we do at Faith Promise is for you to experience God in a new and in a fresh way. We don't want this platform to be a microphone where you were preached at. We want it to be a mirror that you can have face-to-face experience with the Holy Spirit. And we are so excited about what God is doing in the life of our church, in the lives of the families within our church. You are the church. It's not this building. It's not the building surrounding East Tennessee. It's you. It's me. Pastor talked about last weekend and launched us into our series, Kingdom Come. This is where we will set out on a quest to discover the kingdom of God. And it's all throughout the Old and New Testament. And what does that mean? What does the kingdom of heaven mean? The kingdom of God, the kingdom to come, the king is here, the kingdom. What does it mean for our lives and how do we apply it today? And Pastor talked about the drawbridge and Jesus is the drawbridge and he lowered the drawbridge with his love and his sacrifice and his death. The theme of our series is quit waiting on the kingdom of come to live an everlasting life because the kingdom already came. Quit waiting on the kingdom of God to live an everlasting life. Quit waiting. Today is the day that we can all grasp the truth that the kingdom has already come. That Jesus already established his reign on this earth, his kingship and his sovereignty. And it's up to each of us to recognize that and give up the seat and the throne of our lives. George R.R. Martin has an unbelievable quote. I think the battle between good and evil is fought largely within the individual human heart. By the decisions that we make. It's not like evil dresses up in black clothing and you know, they're really ugly. George R.R. Martin is the author of the unbelievably popular novels, Game of Thrones, which is now an unbelievably popular TV series, which over 20 million people watch, and they wait anxiously for Sunday nights to come so they can find out what happens to their favorite king or queen or lord in the kingdom of Westeros, is where the TV show takes place. And the most iconic symbol in Game of Thrones is the Iron Throne. 
The Iron Throne is made up of surrendered swords of the six of the seven kingdoms of Westeros that were breathed into and together by the king's dragon. And the entire show is based around the lust for the throne because whoever sits upon the Iron Throne in the Red Keep answers to no one. There is no authority higher than the Iron Throne. And they lie, they cheat, they steal, they kill to get where they believe is best. And the entire show is, is based around my family's lineage. I deserve to be on the Iron Throne. That I am the rightful heir. I should be there. It should be me. I should have absolute power and sovereignty. I don't believe any of us this weekend would have to have our arms twisted to confess that we desire rule. That we desire to be in control. That we desire to answer to no one. I don't want you to tell me how to spend my money. I don't want you to tell me what school to go to, who to vote for, where to work out, how to walk, how to talk, how to live, how to raise my kids. We want that. We have that desire within ourselves. Our flesh desires absolute sovereignty. There are no thrones in America anymore. They never was. We left the tyranny of King George and fought against that, and we've been a democracy ever since. But each and every one of us have a, a throne over our bodies, over our minds, and over our hearts. And the person who sits upon that throne establishes the steps that you take each day. The person that sits in that place over your heart, over your mind, over your body, establishes what you pray for, how you dream, how you spend your money, how you raise your kids, what you do with your time, how you spend your time, how you invest your time. And again, I say this weekend, that place is for Jesus, King Jesus, the only one that deserves to sit upon that throne. And if we can grasp that simple truth, I don't believe the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is simple. I think it's dense and the subject matter can be very hard to, to grasp. But what is a truth that is simple in knowledge but difficult in action is that if we can put King Jesus where he belongs, it will change our church. It will change our city. It will change our state and our country and our world. But that is no easy task. In the rest of our time together, I would like to prove to you why he should be here and why he, we should be focused on him. Pastor Chris set up the series with our theme verse that's Matthew 6 and says, Seek ye first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We want it flipped. Give me what's mine, add the things to me, and then I'll serve you later. The house that I need, the family I want, the kids I want, the car I want, the house I want. And then I'll serve you. Well, it says in Matthew 6, seek first my kingdom. Seek first my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We need to seek first his kingdom. And I believe his kingdom is here and I believe his kingdom is now. Long before the iron throne of Game of Thrones, there was the great white throne of heaven breathed into existence by the God of this universe and not an imaginary dragon. Psalms 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. That his throne may be in heaven, but his sovereignty rules over all. In every moment of our lives, in every decision that we make, we are making it within the kingdom of God, and it's up to us to choose who will rule over each of those decisions. Psalms 145, 11 through 13 says, They shall speak of your glory and of your kingdom and talk of your power. 
to make known the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generation. The kingdom of God is surrounding us. The kingdom of God is everywhere. But so many of us are enraptured by the things of this world. It is the kingdom of me and it is the kingdom of you and not the kingdom of God. We live in the most wealthy age. We live with the most stuff. The most money is transferred hands every day. Every day we set a new record. We have the biggest houses. We have the fastest cars. And I don't believe there's been a day that we were less fulfilled than today. I don't believe there was a day that we felt more wanting within our hearts and we are left with more desire in our hearts than this moment because when we chase the things of this world, it will turn to ash in our mouths. When we conform to this world and are not transformed by the renewing of our minds because I believe God designed in each and every one of us a destiny, an eternity mindset that we are to live for his kingdom here on this earth, not just an ethereal place with golden streets and pearly gates. I believe that that may be at some time, but I believe the reason heaven isn't talked about that often in scripture because he wants you to live a kingdom-filled life right now in this moment, in this moment. Quit waiting for the kingdom to come to an everlasting life because the kingdom already came. Jesus is saying this to his disciples and followers in Mark 1.15. He says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What are you guys doing? It's me. I'm here. I have fulfilled the law of Moses. Who you search for, I am he. The king that you desire, I am he. Every morning, every minute, and every moment, internal forces plot and scheme to gain control of the throne of your life. In every moment. And Jesus says the time is now. They were with him and most of them missed it. I am the king. I am the king that you need. The king matters. Like I said, in America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, we don't really have kings. But we have cultural kings. We have kings that we, we have people that are really good at what they do. And we've set them upon a pedestal. So let's play a little game. A little, interac- little interaction together. I'm going to say somebody's nickname, and you're going to tell me who I'm referring to. He's a basketball player, King James. LeBrain. Why they're playing so bad is beyond me. But LeBron James, the king of rock and roll. Elvis Presley. The king of pop. Michael Jackson, the king of late night. Ooh. We got some generational dispersion. (laughs) In my research, it was Johnny Carson is the king of late night. There we go. There we go. I I had to be told that. I, I I didn't know they had television back then. Johnny Carson. And I I believe the reason we're okay with calling them kings is because we don't have to answer to them. 
I'll call you King James because I don't play basketball. Elvis Presley, you can have rock and roll because I don't do music. King of pop, Johnny Carson, I'm not on TV. But when it comes to King Jesus, we start to retreat because we want to do what we want to do. We don't want the king of our life because that means that I may have to give up things that I don't want to give up. I may have to not do things that I don't want to, I, I don't want to not do. The disciples, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Jewish people missed him because he didn't serve them in the way they thought they should be served. Wake up, the time is now. It's fulfilled. I'm not going to crush the Romans the way you desire me to. The Jewish people thought the king would come and rule over the Romans because they didn't want a savior. They wanted to be king. They didn't want King Jesus. They wanted the Jewish people to rule over the Romans. And they didn't care who was going to do it or how it was done. They just didn't want to answer to anybody. The Israelites hated it in Egypt. Then they hated it under Moses. Our flesh will always desire to usurp whoever is telling us what to do. So often, we miss it because of our mess, because of the distractions of this life. There's a song I'm going to sing, and we're going to sing it together. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree because Jesus, he wanted to see. That's all I know. <laughs> I didn't even get most of those words right. But Zacchaeus was a thug. Zacchaeus was the IRS on crack. Imagine, I don't care to pay taxes. I don't want to pay taxes. I want to drive on great roads, but I don't want to pay for it. That's how I, my, my mind functions. I don't want to pay taxes. It's my money. Take it from me. So imagine the IRS comes to your home with the police and says you owe 60% of your wages. You said 20% last time. Well, I got the guns. Give us your money. That's what Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus would come to the Jewish homes with Roman centurions and say, it's 60% this week. And they'd have to relent or they would be killed, abused, imprisoned. So Zacchaeus was a hated man. And Zacchaeus climbs up into a sycamore tree for Jesus he wanted to see. And Jesus says, come down, I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming to your house today. And his disciples, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people that knew the law the best, missed it completely. Because they're going, why are you going to his house? He's a sinner. He breaks the law. He abuses people. He cheats us. That is who Jesus came to save. That's who Jesus came to save. When people say, Micah, are you surprised where America's going? No. Broken people are going to act broken. Lost people are going to act lost. You expect a blind man to walk as he can see. Absolutely not. And instead of throwing rocks back at them, let's open our arms and chests and say, we love you back. Zacchaeus, this isn't right. Zacchaeus face to face with the God of this universe and Jesus says, I'm so sorry for what I've done. All the people that I cheated, all the money that I took, I will give back four and tenfold. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house today. And even after that, they still missed it. Because he didn't serve them the way he thought or they thought they should be served. And so after this, Jesus tells them a parable. Usually when he's talking to a parable, he's telling somebody how dumb they are. And they still don't get it. You ever made fun of your friends around them and they're like, ha, ah, it's funny. 
and then they don't get that you're making fun of them. That's parables. That's why I love the Bible so much. When he talks about parable, he's ta- the people he's telling the parable to, you're saying, this, you're an idiot, and this is why. <laughs> so Luke 19, 11, while they were listening to these things, Jesus went to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. The kingdom of God came when Jesus infiltrated planet Earth. The kingdom of God was established. And they believed it was, again, to gum get rid of the tyranny of the Romans and raise us to our rightful place, which is on high. He said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. He called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minus and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. Again, we talk about when you read a parable, he's talking to people that he's telling the parable to. And he's saying, I have come to receive my kingship. I have come and the reign has established. I have established authority. He tells us how to pray. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You rule in heaven and you rule here on earth now that you are here. And they hated him. The people in the parable hated and did not want to be reigned over. And he's telling, you're going to kill me and you're going to hate me because I will not rule in the manner that you see fit. I am not coming, I am not coming in power. I'm coming with persuasion. I'm not coming with force. I'm coming with love. I'm not coming with a sword. I'm coming as a lamb. So often, I believe, we miss the king of kings because he does not rule in the manner that we see fit. The Jewish people missed a Judean carpenter because he didn't rule in the manner that best suited them. We have a similar predicament today because we have no problem bowing our knee to the king of heaven but we ignore his kingship on this side. God, you can have my death, but I'm going to sit here while I'm alive. It's Easter. I was a great message, Pastor. I'm going to sign that car. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to heaven. But on Monday morning, we don't recognize the king. Whoever sits in this seat establishes your steps. And each and every one of us don't want to go to hell but we want to live like however we want to live on this earth. And that is not how it works. He came, he established his rule and his reign and his sovereignty here in this moment. That's why it would change our church, our city, our state, and our country. Because if we saw with kingdom eyes, if the scales were falling off our eyes and we saw people as Jesus saw people, we couldn't keep them out of the building. We couldn't keep them out. People are waiting to be loved. They throw rocks because they're broken and they're hurting and they're angry. They're mad at religion because they've probably been hurt by religion. And instead of seeing them from their brokenness, we're getting mad at them because of their ideology. Jesus came and he was killed by the very people he came to save. And what do we think is going to happen to us? What were you expecting to happen? 
You were expecting that nothing else is going to change, that you're going to get to go to heaven and then live however you want to on earth. Admit it, that's what I think, that's what I hope, that's how I live. I live as if I decide what I'm going to do throughout the day, because I don't need him. I needed him to get me out of hell, but that was about it. The king matters. Pastor talked last week about the man-made moat. The only, the only thing stopping us from entering into the kingdom of heaven is a man-made moat that we clawed and we dug with our own wickedness and our own sin. And while we were brow beaten with sweat and vigorously digging with our short-sightedness and our sinful ambition and our wickedness, God of this heaven loved us so much he reached his arm out past the safety of, of his throne and over that disgusting moat of our wickedness and sin, he hung on a cross and said, I'm the king that you need. Not the king that you deserve, not the king that you'll ever work hard enough to get to, but I'm the king that you need. And if you will give me the power that I already have, we're not, he's already got it. You can either waste your time fighting for things that don't matter or give it to him and live a life that matters. That is completely your decision. That's the beauty about God. It's the beauty about love. It's choice. But I choose him. I choose him because the king matters. Our heart will not give up the throne very easily. There needs to be a revolution in our hearts. We need to get out the pitchforks and the torches and the battering rams and knock down the Jeremiah 17 of our hearts. Because it says in Jeremiah 17, the heart is more deceitful than all else. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? In this very moment, now that you call your cross, if you call yourself a Christ follower or you're looking in going, I'm not sure I want to be a part of this. There is a battle raging within you. There are shields breaking, there are swords clashing, there are arrows being released. And in every battle, there's one simple truth that there's never, there's never, it's never even. No one is ever, it's never a tie. Someone always has the upper hand through artillery or land taking or strategy unfolding. And if every moment of our lives we do not establish that King Jesus is on the throne, we will, we will lose ground in our lives. We will lose ground in our homes. We will lose ground in our schools, in our city, in our state. It's happening right in front of our eyes. And we are so enraptured by the things of this world, we are blinded to it. Actually, we're so blinded to it, we're complaining about the things that it's our job to fix. Why is the world going to hell? Because you're not doing anything. Why are these things happening in the government? Because we're not doing anything. The church has no voice except to point and accuse. That's all we do. The world is waiting to be connected, not corrected. We want to connect with people, not correct people. Jesus bashed only the religious and his disciples. Not the people that were broken, not the woman at the well even though she was riddled with sin and past, he extended his arm. That is the kingdom of God. The flesh fights the spirit. The spirit fights the flesh. 
Galatians 2.20 reads, For I am crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but he lives through me. The life I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We have to be crucified with Christ. If we're going to step over the drawbridge into his kingdom and into his kingship, we have to be crucify ourselves, step away from the throne and beseech it and ask how we can be subject to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. I die daily. The only way a king will ever surrender his throne is two ways. Exile or execution. They're not going to willingly hand it over. Your heart, your flesh will not willingly hand over the throne, the keys to your life. You will have to exile and execute your flesh on a moment-to-moment basis. It is not a one-time sign the communication card and pray a prayer. That is the beginning of an unbelievable journey of constantly putting Jesus where he belongs so he can live a fulfilled life about others. We, We are subject to the throne and we are subject to others. And so often, we are just subjects to ourselves. Most of our biggest beef with the Bible and this world is because it doesn't fit into our agenda. doesn't fit into what we want. And if I could give each and every person in this room, I would do it. The upgrade that you desire in this moment. If it's a house, if it's a car, if it's a boat, if it's a girl, if it's a guy, I'll give it to you. You can have it. And when you wake up in the morning, you're not going to feel any different. God wants us to have joys in this life, have a wonderful marriage, have a wonderful house, have those desires. But if that is what is sitting on top of the throne, it will leave you wanting every time. It will leave you wanting every time. The throne of your heart will not be surrendered without a fight. And Jesus Christ seized it on the throne when he lowered the drawbridge. Walking amongst us, surrendering himself to death even a humiliating death on the cross. I believe this was his crowning achievement. The act is when he became the name above all names. He came Jesus Christ our Lord when he hung upon that cursed tree. You can't do this alone. Anyone ever, you ever seen in the movies where they take a castle by force, they had the big battering rams, you couldn't lift it alone. There was multiple people and smashing. There are people with shields guarding these guys from the arrows from the walls so they can continue bashing against the iron gates. You need a mob. We call it small group. We call it small group. If you believe one hour of corporate worship a week will give you enough energy, will give you enough fuel to continue fighting that battle alone, I just, it's just not right. You are mistaken. Get, find yourself a small group. Kyle and the rest, Pastor Kyle and the rest of our group's team says that small group is where faith comes alive at Faith Promise. We have an unbelievable time in corporate worship, but I meet every Thursday night at 6.30 with a group of men, and we get after it. We have a great time, but they holding the battering ramp of my heart with me, and they smash down my gates of pride and my selfishness and my deceit. You cannot do this life alone. If you are looking outside the drawbridge and you're looking in and you don't know if this is what you want to be a part of, I'm telling you, it's the greatest adventure of a lifetime. The Christian life is the greatest adventure of a lifetime. If you are bored at church or as a Christian, I don't even think you are a Christian. If you're bored, 
I may not be theologically sound, but you're at least, you're at least not doing it right. Jesus was never twiddling his thumbs going, there's just nothing to do as a Christ follower. I can't go out and drink at 3 in the morning. All there is to do, I've said these words. I'm not preaching. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking at this point. You know what there is to do? The people that are on the brink of divorce need prayer. The children that are getting killed in our schools need to be loved on. The fatherless need a father. The motherless need a mother. People need clothes and food and shelter. Get out there and let's serve this world. If you want to be a part of this, I'm going to give you a moment. We're all going to pray together. This prayer has no magical properties, but it just says that I'm surrendering the throne to you, Jesus, and I want to live the rest of my life subject to you. And if you want to be a part of that today, we're excited about it. If you want to be a part of this family, let's talk about it right now. Everybody bow your heads and repeat after me. King Jesus, I surrender my throne. I give it to you. I will be subject to you from this day and forevermore. Amen. Let's celebrate with the people that made decisions, huh? Woo! In your seat, there is an invitation card. It says, you matter. This works perfectly with what we're talking about this week. Do not flip it out your window as you drive by your neighbor's house taking the trash out. (laughs) Unless you believe that will create a conversation deeper than the flip. Bring this to somebody and say, you matter, and let us show you how. Come to Faith Promise Church. And if they won't come, guess what? You can tell them about Jesus. It doesn't have to be Pastor Chris. Do you realize that? Your friends and family love you more than him. They'll listen to you more than him anyway. Why don't you live a life of Jesus? Why don't you tell them about Jesus? Why don't you pray for them and love them? Next week, we'll be honoring the kings of our castle as we celebrate Father's Day. You do not want to miss it. It's going to be an unbelievable week, and we have a great story. We love you guys so much. You'll never know how much pastor prays for you, the executive team prays for you, campus pastors pray for you. We love you guys so much. We will see you next week. You're dismissed.